Hello, this is Tom Walker from MassAC Unit 1, and we are here recording Episode 9 of our district podcast. It's April 2nd, 2020, and we are going to discuss um, our uh, remote learning days and uh, a few more updates on our meal uh, program that is currently ongoing. And once again, I am joined by our superintendent, Jason Hayes. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, we just want to take a, a little time, and before we start here, just to Thank all of our parents that are partnering with us in uh, both the remote learning days and the uh, student meal distribution system that we've kind of thrown together during this uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, we've had a lot of help from parents, uh, both uh, helping get getting meals to the getting our meals to the right individual families, as well as uh, helping uh, turn in student work and uh, get, eventually getting more work to students. So we appreciate that. Uh, we want all of our students out there to know if any of them happen to listen to this that we are thinking about them and that their teachers are here for them and they can always reach out to their teachers uh, the easiest way is through the remind app or through uh, one of our uh, technology uh, applications or even the school email all of our students have a student email account uh, and they can email their teachers and all of our teachers tom should have email addresses on the websites correct so they should be able to find them yeah, so it's either it can either through through the website or if there's been some contact through Alma, they should be able to view that as well there. That's right. Our student management system now is called Alma, and there are uh, capabilities for emailing back and forth there. And we have some videos that we've posted um, to try to demonstrate how you can send work in remotely, and that's one of the things we're really uh, pushing because of the uh, – you know, just reduces the risk of transmission of anything. So even though we're sending out hard copies of things, uh, because a lot of our areas in our county do not have the internet, you could always take a picture of that hard copy after it's completed and just uh, send it back in if you have a cell phone with some sort of texting capability and a, and a camera, which I believe most of them do now. They could just take a picture of it, Tom, and uh, use that remind, reply to one of their teacher's remind messages and send it right in. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh you know, not not anything uh, uh, too uh, technical. Just more or less, just taking a picture and and sending it back the way of the teacher. And again, it just helps cut down on um, you know our own you know uh, worries back and forth with uh, you know possible transmission through paper. Um, so the the less paper that we do have, uh, kind of might be the better off for for everyone involved. So yeah, and it should be easier, I think, for parents to do that if if you if you have access to a cell phone or at least somebody in the family that, that doesn't have to be a student that has a cell phone. It can come from any number, but as long as you sign up for the Remind app, you can reply right back to one of those Remind messages. And I know a lot of our teachers are sending those out, uh, and you can also initiate one, I believe, right on your end if you have the Remind app on your phone or if you just go to our website to see how to sign up for it yeah yeah and and on massac.org uh right toward the bottom of the page uh, there is uh, the sign up for text message alerts and those are more geared for school signups um but most uh, all of our teachers uh also have instructions on their own websites as well so. I mean, i'm glad you brought that up we are starting to add the teacher signups as well on the individual school pages that was something that came up as a result of this extended uh, school closure, um, we have the signups for the school alerts, but we hadn't um, posted signups for individual teachers. So I know the junior high is in the process of collecting all of those sign-up instructions. Uh, what are they? Codes, I guess, uh, yeah. that you need to sign up for an individual teacher. We'll start posting those on the websites um, so that uh, even if you're not a member of a certain teacher's remind group, you can join it. Uh, if, you're, if your student has them as a teacher, so or your child, rather. 
So we'll get that on the website soon. They should be coming, um, hopefully, by the first of next week. And uh, so one of the main things we did want to discuss, though, uh, is uh, this continued conversation of these remote learning days that we're now under. Um, we've kind of wanted to break into the rationale of why this is important, um, kind of our goals, plans, and uh, just some ideas uh, moving forward for uh, remote learning at home. Um, and one of the things we, we kind of wanted to stress is just, you know, the importance of all this. Um, the normal summer break, uh, as we've uh, figured, is, is about 75 days. And, you know, going off of the fact that it's very possible that schools won't reopen this spring. In fact, we are already out through the end of uh, this month, uh, through April 30th. Um, then if that's the case, then uh, we don't come back. The break will effectively be two summer breaks back to back or about 150 days. Um, so, uh, Jason, would you like to discuss a couple of the points there as to why yeah, this could be an issue? I think we've had a few questions, too, and I, I just want to make sure everyone understands uh, the rationale behind this. So what, what Tom said is exactly right. We normally have a backslide or a learning regression or whatever you want to call it during the summer. Kids forget things they've learned throughout the year when we have uh, that two-and-a-half-month break, whatever it ends up being. Um a little bit there's a backslide there and so we have to kind of back up in august when we start school again and, and address that backslide and it happens across the country and that's why a lot of schools try to go to all year-round schooling and different things to try to prevent some of that but now uh, this will be the first time in my lifetime and and probably a lot of a lot of us where we would have a double summer break which would effectively double the learning regression or backslide that we could potentially see and that's, a, that's why we have these remote learning days. We're just simply trying to prevent as much of that loss as possible. So the, the intent is, is we're not just doing this because, hey, we should be in school, so we feel like we need to make kids do stuff. Um, you know, that's not the point. The point is we're trying to uh, do all that we can to prevent as much learning loss over this, what could be a double summer break, and more than likely probably will be, unfortunately. We don't know yet, but... Um, we're out until, like uh, what you said, April 30th now. Um, I think there's a good chance we'll be out through May as well. So you would have two summer breaks back-to-back, -back, which would be uh, a significant loss of learning uh, for most students. And so that's why these remote learning days are important. And that's what our goal for these remote learning days are, is just to simply prevent as much learning regression or learning loss as possible. Uh, so we're going to try to get up to the normal summer break. We're not going to carry this all the way through summer, uh, but we're just trying to prevent that double loss of learnings there. So that's why we're doing this now. We're not going to address, you know, new content that we normally would be teaching at this time. That's not the purpose. Uh, the purpose for this, uh, re these remote learning days are simply to focus on what we've already taught this year and to try to reinforce those topics so that they don't get lost over this extended what could be a very long break and you know on top of the trying to prevent as much learning regression as possible um, you know ultimately we want to just maintain the support for our students um, correct our, our teachers want to be there for our students whether you know uh, physically we can't right now remotely we can mm -hmm. and so that's a, one of our primary goals um, another goal for this is we are not going to be addressing really any new content or what we, what we would be into the fourth quarter right now. We're just trying to prevent, as we've stated, this learning loss um, from anything that really quarters one through three for this school year. So, 
that's that's where we're at with this. Um, is there any? Well, I think it's you know what you mentioned is a good the support part's probably good to uh, just to expand on just a little bit. Uh, we know we normally have a you know two and a half month break for summer, and that's normal. Uh, and it is tough on some students. It's tough because there are some students that rely on schools for proper nutrition and uh, social emotional support. Uh, but that uh, summer break is planned. It's consistent. Everyone knows it's coming. This is not planned. So this extended break, uh, one, of the, one of the reasons we're trying to show that support and continue the support up and through uh, the end of the school year if we're still out is because this was not planned. This is not something that students are used to or families even. So uh, that's one of the reasons that, you know, we've had that question. Well, why, why are you trying to feed students? You don't feed them in the summer. Well, that's because everyone knows we're not going to be there for them in the summer. Uh, there's plans for that. There are all kinds of community groups that help out during the summer because they know the schools are out of session. This one was not planned. So that's one of the reasons we're trying to show the support, continue the meal plan, etc., cetera, uh, just to kind of be there for this unexpected uh, school closure, which could likely um, continue through the spring semester. So, you know, again, we're ultimately we're here for the students, uh, one way or the other. Uh, that's that's why we're here, and we're gonna you know keep doing everything we possibly can um, to keep that support system in place. Um, moving forward, um, you know, and we've discussed this already, but we currently have uh, in the process uh, rolled out a program, uh, kind of a hybrid thing with electronic and hard copy distribution of, of student material, student work. Um, we are uh, kind of learning as we go with this, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, safe to say. And we're going we're gonna to have to ask for a lot of patience from our parents um, and a lot of patience probably from our teachers uh, from the other end. This is a new for a lot of us. Um, you know, the, the remote learning, is it sounds great, uh, and, and there are a lot of technology advances that have happened to help make this a reality, but uh, it turns out it's just a lot harder than what some people might think. And, you know, it's, it's just not e as easy as throwing all your lessons online and say, go. Uh, so we're really working this out, and that's why we have a hybrid, uh, because there are certain certain areas of our county that, regardless of how well we do this electronically, hey, they just can't access it because we just don't have the internet access in some areas. So uh, that's why we have this hybrid plan. We're trying to get those uh, those materials out to those people that do not have internet access. But if you do, uh, then obviously we're going to rely on the electronic delivery, uh, and and we would prefer to rely on that for the return of suit work as well. So again, you know, kind of learning as we go with this, um, we uh, kind of have realized that uh, we we all will need to work together um, uh, to get through this. And again, uh, we're just kind of uh, taking this uh, one step at a time. And you know, uh, as questions come up, we'll try to get those answered and uh, be there for uh, help and support as as needed. Um, but then, not just our own, you know, kind of plan, but. We kind of wanted to discuss uh, maybe just some ideas uh, for remote learning at home that don't necessarily have to be uh, things that we hand out uh, electronically or even on paper. So yeah, there's uh, a lot of discussion about this. I think uh, starting to come out, and I've talked to a lot of our teachers um, that you know you can turn this is somewhat of a negative event. Obviously, we're we're stuck at home. We're we're not going to school. A lot of people can't go to work. But you can turn this into a positive learning experience. There are a lot of things that you could do with your kids at home 
that you normally just do not have time to do with them. And this can turn out to be a, a real uh, enriching experience for a lot of our kids. Um, and they can, a lot of our kids learn uh, hands-on, you know, they really enjoy doing hands-on activities. And I think they're, that kind of uh, lends itself to what's going on at home now. And there's a lot of things that you do at home that are great learning opportunities that just normally aren't because uh, we're, we're pulled away from each other so often normally in the busy world that we live in. So I think that we're just trying to throw some ideas out there. Obviously, these are not our ideas, and, and uh, there are probably a lot better ones out there. But just to, just to kind of remind people what, what we could do uh, to try to make this a more positive experience. Yeah, and some of these, uh, um, actually, most most of what we'll, we'll throw out there again is nothing new, and it's certainly things that are you know applications and things that we do on a daily basis anyway, that just may, you know may have a little bit more educational merit than than we realize, um, but they all include or most of them include some kind of physical activity because you know kids uh, just need to release uh, some energy, um, and you know brain research has proven that you know the brain works better. Uh, when we are physically active. So, and when we say that, thinking about being physically active, um, even something like gardening, it's a physical activity, but it also reinforces uh, things in science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, talking about, um, uh, you know, cooking or baking, uh, again, physical activity. Um, again, they, uh, a lot of uh, math, though, behind cooking and baking, um, you know, and, and, you know, it might not be at the surface, but it's there. And it's it's something that, uh, now is the time for that, that real world application that, you know, we always try to discuss when we're actually in school, but we may not necessarily have the items in front of us. Well, now we're, you know, potentially at that point where the items may be in front of us and now we can maybe apply. I was, uh, the math I was talking it. to one of our teachers earlier this week and they, they said, you know, this is almost like going back in time a little bit because I know when I was growing up, uh, things were a little different, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. So, uh, it was a much slower pace back then. You know, we had uh, three channels on the TV, and two of them didn't work. Uh, so uh, it was just a different <laughs> time. But I, I learned a lot, you know, a lot of my fractions, uh, the applying fractions through going and uh, grabbing a wrench for, you know, Grandpa or something, you know. And so there's a lot of math application there that uh, I think we're just so busy in this day and age, we, we probably don't get to do as much of it as possible. But, you know, you can, you can practice a lot of the math while cooking, baking, working on, on anything, you know, in the garage, working with tools, you know, like uh, Tom said, gardening. There's all kinds of science behind that, feeding animals, doing chores, uh, can turn into some really good learning opportunities. And, and we realize a lot of people do this anyway, but just some ideas. There's a lot of craft projects these days, and you can find a lot of that stuff online. Uh, I have friends that just, uh, that's constantly what they're doing is they're looking online for ideas, and whether it's a craft or a building project, you know, something to do in your yard, landscaping, or uh, a lot of people are just looking up recipes and trying out new things from uh, the online services like Pinterest. So there's a lot of ideas out there. You know, your kids may not admit it, but uh, one of the things uh, I wanted to point out is they really thrive on structure. Uh, as a, a school person, uh, we know this. Um, that's one of the things we preach constantly is procedures and routines because uh, kids, when you're growing up, they need those routines. They need those procedures, and that's one of the things that can be really challenging uh, at home is that you can get completely out of whack with your routines, especially sleeping patterns uh you know kids are really good at that staying up real late on video games and then sleeping in late and it just kind of throws everything off so if you can create a schedule or routine to kind of do some of these things i think 
you'll find that your kids will, will thrive a lot uh, a lot better in, in that environment than just you know kind of doing whatever you want and and that, that whole schedule part you know we could uh, utilize uh, maybe a student uh, your child can use a journal or a log to maybe kind of track everything they're doing, their physical activity, their chores, um, you know, Yeah, that's one of the things. things we know that even adults struggle with um, charting data and analyzing data. It's not, not as easy as it sounds sometimes. So you can take some of those logs and journals and have students create charts and, you know, how many times they fed the dog or watered the dog, you know, just anything, how many uh, different uh, uh uh, you know, physical activity, um, you know, they, they did in a day and just kind of tracked how many minutes you can chart, how many minutes a day you were physically active. All kinds of things that you could do that would help reinforce a lot of the learning that we're doing in the classroom anyway. Like Tom said, we just don't always have the ability to make it kind of connect to the real world because we're stuck in a classroom a lot of times. So this is a good opportunity for things like that. And again, there are a million different types of ideas out there. Uh, if you just search the internet, but these are all, this can turn this, uh, what is seemingly a pretty negative time into some, some positive outcomes. And I think also create some memories that, uh, your kids will remember, you know, for the rest of their lives. I mean, they're going to remember the, the COVID-19, you know, whatever for uh, this point on, it's going to be kind of like those big errors in time when landing on the moon or, you know, the great depression, um, world war two, uh, this is a, pretty big event so this is going to be something that sticks with them so we want to help help you make this as positive as it possibly can be for your kids and we'll uh again and in in future podcasts and just you know different things that we post social media and the teachers do this too they they, you know we'll definitely throw out some different ideas and we uh, certainly um uh would you know we'll make information available in regards to anything that can be done at home in um, our own program as well. Um, but as far as remote learning goes, I think that wraps that part of it up. But we did want to finish up this podcast with um, some updates on student meal delivery, um, some statistics of the amount of meals we've delivered, and then our plan for next week, since next week is actually spring break. So, uh, Jason, you want to touch on that? Yeah, I was just looking up the numbers right now while you are talking. We Thus far, um, we've delivered oh, a little bit over... 14,000 meals um, and uh, that's just been in the past um, we've only done this uh, gosh what is it two three four five six seven eight nine ten. 11 days I think 11 weekdays now uh, so I just like to briefly uh, throw a shout out to our cooks and staff volunteers because uh, this is not easily done um, it's not only making that many meals uh, a day which is we're averaging somewhere around uh 1435 meals a day something to that effect um that's that's not easily done you know just to prepare those meals but we're actually uh delivering a lot of these meals which is a kind of a whole new thing for us we don't we're not in the business of uh foodies or uh what do you call it (laughs) the uber uh, eats (laughs) yeah that's not what we do so this is uh this has been a pretty uh, major undertaking, and these these people that are doing the work uh, deserve all of the credit that we can give them. And one of the things I will mention before we get into the specifics of next week, we're doing the best we can. Uh, I realize there's been some hiccups here and there. I think today was Salisbury Steak Day, and uh, that was pretty much almost a disaster, so we apologize for that. But uh, we're, we're doing the best we can here, and the reason for that is uh, 
you know, a lot of places are just sending home some very basic, you know, kind of uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich kind of thing. And that would be great if we could do that. But a lot of our um, food comes from two major, one to two major distributors in Illinois that they they serve all of the school districts in Illinois. And every school district almost is doing the same thing we are. And so it's almost impossible to get some of the things that we would would make it easier to deliver. Uh, so uh, we're we're uh, we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. We only have certain items that we can uh, pick and choose from that we can get right now, and we're doing the best we can. So we apologize for that. But that's uh, I think our cooks are doing an amazing job, uh, and I'd like to especially thank Marlene Clapp, our food service director, who's uh, just gone above and beyond with everything she's done, and and all of our cooks and staff volunteers uh, because we've. We're, we've uh, delivered, I think it's 14,500 meals uh, in these 11 days. So I think that's that's really something. And I think there are a lot of people out there that we've heard from that are really thankful for these things. So these people are doing a great job. But moving into next week, it is spring, um, well, Easter week, essentially. Spring break's kind of out the window since we don't have school. But um, we do plan on working through Monday uh, through Thursday with our meal delivery. Uh, we'll be off Good Friday. Uh, in observance for the holiday and Easter uh, weekend, but uh, we'll try to double up a little bit uh, somehow on Thursday so that we our kids have enough, uh, hopefully, to get them through the weekend. And then uh, we'll just keep on going. We're going to try to deliver these meals as long as we can. Uh, obviously, we can't do it without the staff volunteers and our cooks doing all this. And there may be a time when we do have to stop, depending on this virus. Um, it is in Massac County now. We do have one confirmed case, and so if it uh, if it gets out of hand, uh, we will likely have to stop this because uh, we just can't uh, we can't put our people in harm's way or uh, risk the potential spread of it through our own means. So that's something we're watching. But for right now, these these people are doing an amazing job, and I'd like to thank everyone who's helping us with that, as well as the parents out there that are helping um, get the meals to the right people. And uh, I should probably mention the bus drivers as well. Uh, the bus drivers have gone above and beyond, and, and they know where people live, they know where their students live, and they're taking meals almost to doorsteps at times, which is amazing. So we're really, uh, really proud of our bus drivers, cooks, and our staff volunteers. And I think we've had about 80 to 90% of our staff volunteering. Uh, they're rotating, but uh, in and out so that no one has uh, a lot of exposure, but uh, I think we're up into almost the 90% range of how many staff members have been doing this. So, so we just wanted to, uh, again, uh, to finish up, just uh, again, we wanted to talk about some of our, uh, you know, ideas that we are, you know, currently doing for remote learning as we get that kind of rolled out. And uh, again, just followed up there on our meal uh, program. Um, again, once more, we will be providing service Monday through Thursday next week and off Friday for Good Friday. Um, otherwise, I believe that's all we have. Yeah, I'd just like to thank everybody again for uh, for all their patience with everything and understanding. Um, it's really been uh, really been great, all the support that the schools have been receiving from our parents and community members. We'd really like to thank them for that because, uh, we're, like I said, we're doing the best we can. And we need all the help we can get. So if you can continue that patience and support as we try to muddle our way through this remote learning process, uh, we'll do the best we can there, and it's probably not going to be great, but uh, we'll do what we can. And, again, we're just trying to prevent as much learning loss as possible. That's our goal. 
uh, just trying to get through the next uh, however long that the schools are closed, all through April, possibly into May. We're just going to keep this going as long as we can to prevent that backslide. So thank you for all your help with that. Well, thanks for listening, and have a great day.